This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. Hello, Sheddies. Um, the usual sort of preface to this podcast, my usual announcement uh, of my technical issues. I have another new laptop. So far, everything seems to be working fine. However, because of how my life tends to go and how, if you've been listening to this every week, how pathetic my uh, ability just to simply record a podcast is. Um, I have my iPhone. Uh, my iPhone. It's not an iPhone. It's an Android. Not that that matters. I have my phone recording while I'm recording with the microphone hooked up to my laptop. So ultimately, you should get decent sound quality no matter what. But hopefully, I'll be able to use this bloody microphone and it won't have been a huge waste of money for me. Um, now, as per usual, once again, there hasn't been a hell of a lot of rugby going on, except, of course, the Sevens World Cup, which you may or may not have been following and been into. Um, but I will get into that. I haven't been able to focus as much as I would have liked, only because two nights ago, I ate a... Uh, somebody gave me a brownie with magical properties in it. And I ate this. It was a pot brownie, in case you didn't understand that. And uh, I ate some at night. I do this quite often. And it's usually fine. It's relaxing. Sometimes, if you're not familiar with... Uh, this experience, uh, you, you eat edibles, sometimes they can be a little intense and uh, they can get kind of psychedelic and weird. Well, I've never, ever had as hellish and awful of an experience as I had two nights ago when I ate this brownie. I, uh, I was in physical pain. I've never, I didn't know it was possible. I couldn't move. I was on my hands and, my hands and knees and my wife was trying to like, persuade me that i wasn't going to die and i wasn't yet already already in hell and uh i'm just on my hands and my knees in the living room and every time i tried to even lift my head up i had this horrible pain that shot down my body and i felt like a beam of light was cutting my brain in half you know you know what i'm talking about um and uh just to make it an even more stereotypical what's happening oh fuck off so my other lap is technically it's my son's laptop. Um, came back from the dead to haunt me. It's jealous that I'm using a better laptop, and he just started playing music at me. It was just sitting here. It should be turned off. Let me kill this. Go away. Nine one one indeed. Slide to shut down your PC. Did I do it? No, I didn't. So, so you can you can see what I was talking about at the start of the show. I'm having technical issues. Uh, with a with a laptop that is uh, a mere spectator. It's not even part of this podcast. All right, I got rid of that. That's done. Anyway, I think all I was going to say was uh, before I went 
con- completed my descent into hell that night, and it really was awful. Um, I remember walking across the living room, and I told my wife, I don't want to startle you, but I genuinely feel like a cartoon frog in a top hat as I walk around this house. She laughed, but it was a bit more serious than that. And um, <laughs> and uh, eventually I spent two or three hours just horrified by everything. Ooh, did you hear that? There's a thunderstorm. There's something in the air. But uh, it's um, monsoon season in the land of enchantment that is New Mexico. And um, we've been having some serious fucking storms. It's been great. Um, you don't miss it. You don't miss the rain in England. When you leave England and live somewhere like New Mexico, you don't miss the rain for about a year or two. But then after a while, you start loving it. Like when I first came here, it would start raining and everyone would run outside. And I thought they were insane. And now I like to do it too. It's like everybody loves the rain here because it's the fucking desert. But um, anyway, that night, I'm sitting in the living room. My wife, everything my wife puts on TV is horrifying, horrifying to me infomercials she was watching infomercials with old women that were pretending to be young and it was so terrifying and it made me think of my own mortality and i realized i was going to die and then i thought maybe i already have died holy shit and then i really i don't even want to tell you because you're too innocent and i don't want to destroy any chance you have of uh the uh, naive happiness that is life anyway let's get uh, cruising with this uh, podcast, uh, Rugby Rant Banter, episode 12. Let's go. Yep, so, Sheddies, I think I might, I might even have to give the uh, the old pot brownies and whatnot a bit of a, a, bit of a break. Uh, not that I do it. I'm not a stoner who does it every single day. I just do it on rare occasions when I feel like having some magical experiences. And um, But, you know, I, some people can handle it. These particular brownies, I, I know someone who ate three of them. I ate about half of one, and it made me want, think I was dead. Uh, some people are fine. Uh, I personally will literally turn into a werewolf if I do it enough. So um, anyway, let's move on with the rugby, uh, if we have to, shall we? We'll talk about rugby. So the World Cup, World Cup Sevens, I watched all of the England games, but it's, it's fucking incredible, by the way, in this country, particularly in the area that I live in. If I want to watch rugby, it's, I can't find it anywhere. I can now, but it took me years to figure out exactly how I could do it. But if I'm trying to avoid a rugby result, my fucking mother-in-law will call me up and tell me who won. It's ridiculous. I went to work. First thing someone said was, well, it was a lie. The first thing someone says, though, oh, England lost in the fucking Sevens World Cup. Uh, and um, he didn't know what he was talking about. But I do get attacked with information that I'm trying to avoid because I was going to watch all of the rugby. God, it was hard to watch all the Sevens. There's just too many matches. Um but that England Sevens team got to the final. I knew we'd fucking lose. I knew it. It kind of reminded me of the British Sevens team when they got to the final of the Olympics and uh, lost to Fiji. 
And you just got the impression by watching them play that they were just happy to be there. They were happy they got there and they knew they were going to get a medal. Um, to be honest with you, I couldn't watch that. I, see, I, I had the final result of this World Cup spoiled. Um, I don't want to burden you with all the details, but yes, I, I had the result of the the win against the USA spoiled, and then I had the result of the final spoiled, um, which I was kind of glad about. It's it's that tricky thing, isn't it, where it's a bit of a catch-22. If you know that your team is going to lose, you'd rather know so you don't have to deal with the, the misery. But if you know that you're going to know, oh, God, this is very hard to, to explain. <laughs> you, you, if, if, if you know that you're, let's say you have a wife, who knows all the results to every rugby match. Wouldn't she be a great catch? Um, if you knew she was going to tell you, oh, don't watch England t- t- today, they lost, it was bad, then it would ruin all rugby for you because anytime she didn't tell you not to, you'd know that it was worth watching and that England almost certainly won. So anyway, um, I couldn't, but I couldn't watch that whole final. So I have no idea what how um, how bad the loss was. But I do know New Zealand beat Fiji, and Jesus Christ, I was watching Fiji in the games before that final, uh, or semi-final, I should say, and how, seriously, I genuinely want to know how teams can beat them. I mean, I I suppose I can understand with New Zealand, because they do have a lot of, um, you know, there was a time when I think it was uh, almost considered racist to even suggest that Polynesians were great athletes, and I feel like we've everyone's kind of just gone, no, no, look, let's not be stupid. They are. They're phenomenal athletes. So New Zealand have some incredible Polynesian talent. And then, of course, they just have some great, great rugby playing talent, regardless of uh, ethnicity. And you can sort of understand how they could beat a team like Fiji. But even so, when you look at that Fijian side, and every single player is really big, really fast, really skillful, and really fit. And you would just think they couldn't ever lose. Like, I was telling somebody during the the Football World Cup that one of the reasons that I like rugby more than football, one of the things that makes rugby so great, is that for the most part, yes, you can get upsets, but for the most part, the better team will win. You know, if you've got a team that is bigger, stronger, faster, more skillful, they're almost certainly going to win. Um... Whereas in football, you do have more of a, a case of an underdog team can just defend, defend, defend one or two lucky shots at goal and they can they can get an upset. And uh, I feel like that happens way more in football. Yes, it's more competitive across the board, but I do think it's easier for a team to win with luck in football than it is in rugby. In rugby, the luck is kind of taken out of it a little bit because it's such a physical sport. It's like you're narrowing down all of these skills down to something that is purely physical. The closer you get to something that is purely physical, the more the easier it is to predict. For example, if you just got a straight bench press contest, well, you're going to know, if you watch them enough, who's the strongest, who's the best at bench press, and they're going to win every single time, pretty much, barring injury. You know, same with sprints. Um, in rugby, there's a little bit more. Am I making any sense? I feel like I'm not. I'm going to cut myself off there. All I'm saying is with, with Fiji, with sevens in particular, you know, with 15s, you can understand how a team can sort of suss out another team's strategy. 
and through intelligent uh, game plan, they could overcome that team, even if the team they're facing were a better team, man for man. But in sevens, it's much more about speed, speed, well, athleticism and skill, which Fijians have. They're all massive. They're all fast. They're all skillful. They're all great at everything that they need to be great at in sevens. And yet they'll still lose uh, occasionally. It just doesn't, I mean, maybe I sound really stupid and naive to, to or maybe naive is not the right word, but you might be thinking, well, of course, sometimes they're going to lose. Yeah, but looking at them, I feel like they, they shouldn't be able to lose. They just seem like they should never lose. It looks like men against boys. But even then, I feel like I'm losing. I don't even understand the natural world. I'm looking at giant, monstrous mammals. And sometimes there'll be a little a little white guy from England will burn three of them, hand somebody off and score. And it just doesn't look like it should be possible. But it is. I don't get it. Anyway, it was still a fun tournament to watch. I... I'm glad the result was given away. Otherwise, I'd have been suicidal um, with England losing. God, I'd have loved it if they won that. But um, I was watching and I was thinking, I think it's very easy when you watch sevens to sometimes see a player and think, holy shit, he's amazing. He should be playing for England at 15s. Like that is easy to do if you're not careful when you're watching them because it's such a display of athleticism that they just get multiple opportunities to showcase what it is that they can do. And they're all great athletes. Now, I kind of suspect that if they do get, did go to 15s, you wouldn't, of course, you wouldn't see that kind of thing as much, but it might be impossible for them to showcase it. Maybe it's just too hard, but there are a few players in that England team who were incredible. Burgess, I love, by the way, the wrong Burgess. What if all this time when they were trying to get Burgess in the team, they were thinking of the wrong one? Um, I can't even remember his first name. That's how unimportant this Burgess is to the to the English national uh, 15s team. But um, he's a flanker at 15s, and he does look like, again, it's probably not true. It's probably just the illusion of sevens, you know, the stage of sevens, being able to see him do all this incredible stuff. But I've seen Burgess play for a long time now, and every time I see him, he's so fast, so tough. He just looked like he'd be a brilliant uh, seven, um, but he's great in seven, so you wouldn't want to take him away from it. The same is true of a few others, including um, Harry Glover, who just looks like an amazing big. I don't know what position he plays in fifteens. I thought I read that he was a center, but um, he looks like he'd be a great big winger with a, with an incredible uh, physicality and and uh, ball handling skills, just like. Mike Ellery, who, of course, played for Saracens last season, I believe. I don't re- I'm having a hard time remembering if he played in the final or not. But if it is as hard to transition from sevens to fifteens and, and, uh, and vice versa nowadays, as we're told, then that makes Mike Ellery's performance for Saracens even more impressive because he looked really good. Um, I'm, I, I'd love to see how good he could have looked if he'd have stayed with them for a couple more seasons. Um, Cause yeah, he's just a big physical safe winger. Like he's one guy in that, in that world cup. Every time I saw someone try and take him on the outside, you were just confident that he would catch him. And he always did. You got a long, long, long reach. And he would just sort of 
he had the speed to get turned, but gain some ground, just reach out and scrag whoever it was trying to get around him. Um, and then, of course, Dan Norton. But, I mean, he's at the point. He's at the end of his career. But, Jesus, what a great player he is. Still lightning fast. Speaking of lightning fast, amazingly, I was watching these games. And uh, it took me a number of matches with, with this one referee before I found out, before the commentator mentioned the fact that it was Richard Horton. And I didn't recognize him because now he's a little bit, he's sort of his hair's receding. Is you, do you remember Richard Horton? So he, he was a sevens player. I think he played for Saracens and Wasps. He might have even been capped for England at 15s at some point. I don't remember. I do remember there was a period where he was kind of the the hot, you know, hot winger in England where people were thinking he might be the man for the future and it never quite happened. But he was always very, very fast. And um, But now he's refereeing sevens. And I have to say, he looks like the most miserable referee I've ever seen in my life. Like, not not in the, his performance. His refereeing was was fine. I mean... That's one thing in sevens is the refereeing, there's way less controversy when it comes to their decisions. It's very rare that there's a huge outroar. Maybe that's because there's so many games and it's so fast, you don't have time to fuck around. Or maybe it's because it's a simpler game. I don't know. But anyway, my point is, he was just miserable in his demeanor. The first thing I thought before I realized who it was, was, Jesus, he doesn't even look like he wants to be here. He just looks so, all right, let's get on with this shit then. And then when I found out who he was, it made it kind of sad because I'm sure this isn't true. And I'm sure that he took a long time to get into refereeing and he's probably been doing it a while now. But he looks like last week he was playing sevens and he'd been told he wasn't allowed to play anymore. And now he has to referee. He just looked like miserable having to do it. And then because his hair is receding, it made it look like he was upset about balding too. I don't know if that's a shitty thing to say or not. Um but yeah, uh, good result for England, though, getting to the final. It's a shame it's not treated more like the Olympics, where getting a silver medal is genuinely something to be happy about. It's a weird thing, isn't it? With the mentality of uh, athletes that you can feel good for coming second or third in the Olympics. But you come second or third in the Rugby World Cup, sevens or fifteens, you're fucking miserable. And same with football World Cup. The World Cup, there's one winner. Everyone else is a loser. Somehow in the Olympics, they've managed to persuade people that there are medals for runner for for runners up. And I think it's great. I don't I don't have a problem with that. I um, it's a shame that we couldn't feel like silver medalists instead of the losers that we are. Um, but speaking of sevens and the Burgess, whose name I can't remember, uh, a lot of people talking about that the Sam Burgess here. I don't know if it's because I've been watching like YouTube videos of lions killing hyenas and stuff, but it was a brutal hit, but I just feel like I've seen Sam Burgess do that a thousand times. In fact, I've seen, I've seen so many video montages of big rugby league hits that it didn't really, don't get me wrong. It's a great hit, but that's what Sam Burgess does. Uh, smash people's faces in and then, then call them cunts or a cat, whatever. I genuinely am starting to think he called him a cat. I'm not sure why people keep saying that. I, I heard cunt. Uh, and I know he got banned for a while, so clearly it is an unacceptable tackle even in rugby league. But God damn it, it makes me want to go back over the whole Sam Burgess debacle. Oh, if only they could have got the best out of him. Obviously, if he'd have done that in rugby union, they'd have had him chemically castrated um, 
and then sent back to Australia. But, uh, but that kind of, that physicality, if they'd have just done it the right way, if they'd have said, if they'd have groomed him for this World Cup, come, it was just a World Cup too soon. Sorry, I'm going to go off on this. I, I, everyone's bored of it. I got bored shitless of it for a long time. But the fact of the matter is, if they'd have groomed him for this World Cup, think of what a great rugby union player he'd be by now. Wherever he was playing, picked on his, decided on his position, whether it's flanker or center or even second row. I was at the, maybe because I knew they were rushing him. I thought second row might have been a better option. He could have been like, um, who is it? Brad Thorne for New Zealand. That kind of a lock, just a big monster, um, hard hitting rugby league player. Um, but if they'd have just just been patient, and if he'd have been patient and not abandoned England after it went to shit. God, they could have got a lot of... He could have been the answer with Manu Tuolagi perpetually fucked. Um, anyway. Supposed to be doing cock-ups now. Right now, I can't think of any cock-ups. But what I'm going to do is cut this, go to a cock-up segment, and uh, I'll see if I can find any. So I'll be right back. Now, you know what? I didn't even bother looking. Let's just say that my cock-up was the decision to eat too much pot brownie and uh, be sent to the depths of hell. And I'm still recovering from it. I'm still out of it. Jesus. I hope I don't come across as some kind of drug maniac. Um, and I'll leave it at that. That's what I hope. All right. Um a few more rugby things I want to talk about very quickly before I wrap this up. Because we're getting so close to the uh, to the new rugby season, premiership season, and then it's going to get way more interesting, way easier to talk about things. The only things I can think of is I'm very upset about Ellis Genge being, being out until early 2019. That is awful. I really want him there for the World Cup. And if it's early 2019, then I suppose he'll have time to force his way back in the England team. But maybe not. Fuck. Why do people have to get injured? Stupid idiots. Um, Manu too. Manu Tuolagi. Uh, I saw, if I was Manu Tuolagi now, the way things have been going, I would, like, so last season, it definitely seemed like he was sort of easing himself back into rugby. Uh, not from fear, just from like, all right, every time I try and play, I get injured. I'm going to try and just ease myself back into the game. And it might be working because he hasn't, you know, he was doing all right, but he wasn't the Manu that we remember it being. If I were him this year, I just go, right, I want to be the biggest, meanest, nastiest Manu there is. If I get injured seriously before this World Cup and I, it's done, I'm retiring from rugby. Fuck it. Fuck you, life. I get the fucking message. There's no point pissing around anymore. There's no point. Because if he's not able to do what he did, then there's almost no point in playing because that's what he offered was this unstoppable almost unstoppable physicality and if he's having to temper that for fear of being injured i'm not sure although his um ball handling is underrated i don't think he has the skill set to uh still be playing at that you know at world cup sort of england squad level he needs to be able to not hold back and uh, hopefully he'll be able to um and on that note i'm actually stupid enough i'm considering playing rugby again at 38 um, admittedly, a rather sexy 38. I don't know why I said that. I couldn't think of the right word. 
a physically capable 38-year-old. Although I think I mentioned this before, the last time I thought I was going to play rugby, I went out and um, trained for about an hour, felt great, and then couldn't walk properly for about two weeks because of the uh, sodomy. Uh, America's got weird rugby rules. No, um, because of my hips. I fucked my hips up, my hip flexors. So I'm gonna, if I can take care of that, I might do it. Only because my son, who's uh, 13... Jesus, is he 13? I can't believe it. He is. Yep, he'll be 14 at the end of December. Uh, he's going to the gym with me now, and he's getting bigger and stronger, and he wants to play rugby, and I'm like, well, fuck it, I'll go with you. So um, uh, more to follow on that. It's probably a terrible idea, and it might never happen. Oh, and then the thunder, ominous thunder. Um. I said last week I was going to talk more about stand-up. I'd have probably some big news i don't have big news i haven't done a bloody thing about it i just got booked again i got booked for some this is that this is what it's like being a stand-up comedian in albuquerque new mexico where the comedy scene is the just pure dog shit it's awful and you've got mad people running the shows and you're lucky if you get paid i just got booked again for an unpaid show i do so many unpaid gigs it's bloody ridiculous and i have to take them because unless I'm leaving, unless I'm actually on the road, I'm not, I'm not performing otherwise. So I'm doing some show that's like, apparently it's some huge celeb, some huge festival for Puerto Rico or something. Why the fuck am I doing it? I don't know. But um, there's a, there's a guy from Albuquerque, Stephen Michael Casada, who was in Breaking Bad. I don't want to say anything about him or about Breaking Bad, but he's going to be doing the show. And uh, I'm doing it with some friends. And uh, I will demolish. That's a good thing. And I'll get paid nothing, except I'll have three free beers. <sighs> anyway, I am planning road gigs, but I'm also going back to school. I'm, uh, do they say that in England yet? There was a time when that sounded weird to English people. Like Americans say they're going back to school, meaning going to college, going to university. Um, I'm finishing some classes there as a mature, immature student. Um but my plan is to get road gigs on the way. And then I'm really going to attack the road and I'm really going to get some video footage and put it up on YouTube and try and make a bit of it. Cause I don't even try. That's the thing. I don't even try with anything I do. Even this podcast, it might seem like I'm trying. I'm not really. I mean, it's, it's difficult in that I'm in a shed that's too hot and I'm sweating and I'm, annoyed that there's a good chance that this isn't even being recorded because of my technical technological retardation. Um, and it's hard having to come up with a stupid little song at the end, coming up with lyrics for it. It's just time consuming more than hard. Um, but, uh, I'm going to start trying with everything and we'll see, we'll see. Uh, oh, I probably won't, probably won't be great. I was listening to a podcast. There's a really, really great, hilarious podcast called hello from the magic tavern. If you haven't heard of it, it's like an improv uh, show that takes place. I'm not going to tell you all about the show, but Hello from the Magic Tavern. Look it up. It's really funny. But <laughs> I was listening to it last night, and the subject of people doing comedy came up. And it was the most demoralizing thing ever because it was just describing the average person doing comedy. The, the, um, the sort of moral of it was that people that do stand-up comedy are generally wasting their time. And then they basically described me. They couldn't have described me better if they, unless they'd said that 
they end up in a shed doing a rugby podcast. Other than that, it pretty much described me perfectly. So I can either just say fuck it and give it up or work harder at it. And I suppose I'll do that because like I said, I haven't even tried yet. I'll start trying. Um, Last news for this uh, podcast in a shed. I'm getting a new shed. Did I already tell you this last week? Oh, God. I don't even want to talk about it. Let's end it there. I know that I barely spoke about rugby. Talked a bit about rugby sevens. Um, Talked about pop brownies. It doesn't matter. Some people aren't doing any podcast. Some people have people that listen to them, and then they choose not to do a podcast for a few weeks. I don't have people that listen to me, but I choose to keep doing the podcast. That makes me a great man. I'm a great man. All right. Um, if this is your first time listening, I'm sorry. Uh, it's usually, I think, better than this. Um, but this is all I can handle today. And uh, I'll start trying and we'll see if this gets better. Uh, you can find this podcast, Rugby Ranter Banter, on Acast, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. Follow me on Twitter. I have a Rugby Ranter Banter Twitter profile, but if not, Eddie Stevens MD is me on there, and I'll follow you back. You can talk as much shit to me as you want. I don't care. Um, so that's that. I'll see you next week. Okay. Love you. Bye. It's Rugby Ranter Banter, episode 12. I started off telling you off my rather rough trip to hell. Very quickly you came to see that I eat brownies made with weed. And yes, indeed, that evil seed, it did impede my sanity. England failed to win the gale during the Sevens World Cup hunt. Sam Burgess nailed and then impaled some bloke and called him a cunt. Poor Richard Horton finally caught in my old age. He's a referee. His his recede and his heart is bleeding. That's just life's taxation fee. As for the rest of this song, I'm afraid I can't go on. I have nothing left to say. What a sad day. That's what you get. That's what you get when you listen to the whole damn episode. That's what you get. That's what you get. You get a man in a shed talking about nothing. Oh, my God. Nothing to say. I'm fed up.